Alright, what's up everybody? I'm Kevin. Hey, and I'm with my good buddy Franco here. And we're going to be talking today about improv, right? Okay. And so, uh, I want to talk about something that we all need to know is um, perfection, right? When you hear that word perfection, what do you think of in regards to your own life? And so, in improv, perfect is a bad thing, right? right. Perfect is is the opposite of what we're going after because some of the best moments in improv are mistakes, right? Where you make a mistake and then somebody picks up on that and that turns into a scene, right? So Franco, tell us a little bit about you in regards to your improv background and that kind of stuff or just how this element of improv, the idea of not being perfect, has influenced your life and in you know, your, your, your marriage, your, with your, the relationship with your kids, business. Okay. So I, I, I'm actually, I'm really, really connected with the fact that you're even bringing that up as far as improv goes, because when I explain my life to this point with my five kids or with my business or my acting career over the last 10 years, or even what I do on camera, anything that I do, if, if I wouldn't have done the improv work in the beginning, meaning if I wasn't, if I wasn't committed enough to make the mistakes and be free in that moment of what improv represents because improv represents exactly what you said, right? Is this imperfection, being able to take something that doesn't work and mold it into something that can be so creative and amazing that somebody can get so much out of it. So improv for me, um, has been almost like a lifesaver. And I say that because I, like that. I, like that. I, I say that because it's, it's allowed me to do some very important things with my children or with myself on camera. Um, which can is, I, can I tell yeah, you, there's a story that you told me one time, um, in regards to when you, you wrote and created, lift me up, lift me up. Yeah. Lift me up. You, you told the story, tell the story about, uh, you watching a movie, uh, watching the social network with your daughter. Oh yeah. Okay. Tell us that oh, story. Okay. So I was, my, my five-year-old daughter and I, six at the time, were watching the social network and while we were watching it, the very beginning of that movie, you, if you haven't seen it there, Mark Zuckerberg creates a, uh, a website called Hot or Not, where he takes a lot of different girls on the uh, Harvard University and he pairs them against each other and you can swipe right or, or click right or left. Wow, that's the first swipe right and left. That's crazy. Right. That's crazy. Um, but they can click right and left and rate the girls. So as we're sitting there, my five-year-old daughter says, or six, sorry, Clara, says, um, <laughs> says, Dad, you should do that with actors. And I go, well, what do you mean? She goes, you should do that with actors and you should also like, you know, create something that is around like family and around how that works. And I go, huh? Like I didn't really quite get it. Like I didn't understand it, but it lit like a spark in me, right? It lit a spark because I was able to listen to her in that moment and then take this little thing that some six-year-old, my daughter was saying, who really didn't understand really what she was talking about, right? As it, as it came, when it came to like acting and then family and then all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. So from that seed, I went to my desk and I wrote down um, a movie idea. And at the time it was called um, Learning to Dance Again, right? And I don't know why, don't ask me why I said I came up with that, that title, but I wrote down Learning to Dance Again. And it's funny, I forgot about it. I forgot about it for like four months. Really? Four months I forgot I about it, okay? Yeah, I forgot about it for about four months because I was so focused on like trying to do fatherhood and my business and my career and all that other stuff. And then life. life, right. And then my second oldest daughter, Emma came into my room and she was pissed off because I had scolded her over something stupid that a, at the time, 10, 11 year old would do. Um, and she yells at me, you can't talk to me like that. You're not my dad. So it kind of took me my breath away. I'm like, 
Cool. Sure. Right? I've been working my butt off at that point. So fast forward to about five minutes. I'm looking. I'm at my desk. I'm kind of just you know distraught about what she said, and I see this little notepad that said, "I need to dance again." And I remember what my daughter said, my Claire said about how I should create something for me, and how I should create something for myself because somebody else had done it. So then I started writing a story about this girl that's a dancer. My daughter's a dancer about this girl named Emma who went through this tragic scenario in life and how she came out on top. And again, I just started writing. It took me about to write the whole script. It took me about a week. And I've never written a script before, by the way. It wasn't even a script. It was just a hundred words on a paper. So with that being said, if you had to be perfect, do you think that you would have done it? No, no, because I would have second guessed everything that I was doing. Yeah. Because at the time I would have been able, I would have said, oh, this isn't good enough. Yeah. It's not good enough. Or, hey, honey, that's a movie. I can't do that. Or, which is the biggest, biggest thing that any artist will do. So when I say any artist, I mean, just put your label of whatever you do in art, um, which is, I don't know how to do it. I've never done it before. Therefore, I'm not going to try to do it. Right? And it because has to be about, be about that. Because if you try and you fail, then, and here's the thing, your answer and my answer is going to be different than a lot Wait, of other yeah, people. Right. Because if, if, if you try something and you fail to, to you or to me, oh, well, okay, then I learned something. Right. I, I, it still I, sucks. I, no, but, sure. Yeah. There's still that pain, but did it kill you? And if you go through that process of actually asking yourself, hey, what is the worst thing that could happen if I fail at this? I, I think that the best way to really explain how improv can help you in life would be to think about perfection as a, a box that, is, that, that literally forms around you. And you, can, you can't move you know, much further in this. And you can't push much further in that. And this box is called perfection. And what improv allows you to do, because guess what? Improv allows you to be free. And when you're free... You don't really care too much. If you don't really care, you're okay to make mistakes. When you're okay to make mistakes, you're okay with failure doesn't own you and, and does, will mm -hmm. not define you. So I think that improv is like that hammer that you can have at your side when perfection tries to keep you in where you can literally just use it and break through it because that's what improv really is. Improv is the breakthrough of what perfection tries to be, but it can't be and it shouldn't be. Yeah. And you know what I like? I'm going to go oh, on yeah. and I'm going to and you. Yeah, yes, when you, when you bust open that, that box, what falls onto the ground is going to be beautiful. Mm. You know, pick yourself up, like look down at this shattered box and you're going to see this beautiful design. It's just going to be incredible. Right. And so. then your job from there on in, that's the cool thing about improv. Uh, your job from, from right after that, right after you break through that whole, who gives a shit or who, can I cut something? This is okay. okay. I just did. <laughs> so who, who gives a shit what anybody thinks about me? And by the way, when people say that, like, I don't care what people think about me, but they're mean, what they're meaning is, is is that you actually do care. So, but when you break through the box and you could say, I no longer care what people think about me, but I still want to play the game, which is trying to pick up the pieces that you think that will work and put them together into something that could possibly be something. But guess what? If you build this thing and it doesn't work, well, throw that shit to the side, go back to where you were before, because remember, perfection doesn't own you anymore. Pick up new pieces and eventually, because it's limitless on the ground, right? It's limitless pieces. Of, of creativity, you can build whatever it is that you're gonna build. Yeah. And I would, and I would actually say, hmm. to add to that too, is not, you, you don't ever go back. Like, you, oh, you, you can't. don't go back. Well, you, I don't think you, know, you can. It's, it's, what happens, I, I, I heard this illustration, I thought it was beautiful. Um, we look at life as we're moving forward in life, and we look at life as this beautiful staircase, right? Mm -hmm. It's this beautiful crystal 
clear, clean staircase. And you look down at your feet and you've got these muddy cleats on. And you know that to get to where you want to go in life, you have to climb up these stairs. Right. But you look down and you know that if you take one step on these stairs, it's going to scratch them up, it's going to get muddy, it's going to get dirty, you're going to destroy those stairs, right? But what happens is that if you start taking those steps, not being perfect, allowing yourself to be dirty and filthy and not perfect, and you actually move forward anyway in improv, do it anyway, the show must go on, right? You're, you're, you're doing it in your everyday life. If you keep going, eventually you'll look backwards after a couple years and you'll say, wow, those marks and those, that, those scratches in that, that crystal staircase, those look like they were supposed to be there. That's how it was supposed to look. Yeah. And it wasn't supposed to be this perfect, uh, beautiful, non-marred staircase. It was supposed to have some character and some life. Right. And I think one of my biggest fears is, is getting to the end of my life and looking back and saying, you know what? I really didn't risk anything. And so I never got anything. That's a, two, oh gosh. Yeah, that's good. Woo! That's good. That gets me, that risk gets me, that gets me. Risk is like a definite, I mean, risk is like, like the dog tag of, of improv. I mean, yeah. literally, like you yeah. can't step on a stage if you're going, no matter what, and this is for life too, so just translate this life. But in a, on an improv stage, it's no matter what's about to happen, because sometimes you have no idea where you're going to go. You start off in a, in, a, in a hotel lobby, and for some strange reason, you end up on the moon. Um, but no matter what happens, I, I have to be willing to take risks and not calculated risks. Like you don't want to think too much about it. It's kind of like that. If my intuition tells me to move, go. Yep. It's a trust. It's a trusting that you can do it. Hey dude, we have, we have literally two minutes left before I know you have to get out of here. Um, so first of all, thank you so much for being here and, and sharing some, some conversation back and forth about perfection and from your experience of, uh, through improv and that kind of stuff. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching. Thanks for Franco thank for being here, dude. Of course. Love you, man. Hey, go out there. Don't be perfect, okay? Just have fun. Trust yourself because at the, on the other side of perfection is trust of yourself. And you're never going to get to the point where you actually trust yourself unless you put yourself in a position to fail and succeed on the other side of that, okay? Do yourself a favor and rewind what he just said. See you guys.